tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. This part of episode 15b contains advice on buying a guitar with a focus on the mid-range. It is in response to one of our listeners thinking of buying a PRS SE, but we hope that many of you will find something useful in it. Remember to be in touch if there's anything you'd like us to cover. just had uh, Strut from America get back in touch and we're very grateful for your continued uh, engagement with our podcast uh, and you mentioned to me that you were thinking about buying a PRS SE and we thought we might tackle your question of buying a mid-priced guitar mm-hmm. and uh, I'll make sure you get this information ASAP as well. Mid-priced guitars, it's probably the, the most sort of hotly contested part of the market Mm. because almost everybody invariably starts on something fairly basic and cheap you know if you're fairly young and picking up the guitar your parents don't want to lash thousands and thousands of pounds on something ridiculously expensive that you might you might give up next week so often a second-hand guitar is sourced or one is borrowed or and maybe the first purchase is something like a squire strat or something like that you know a couple of hundred quid tops as we kind of move on and develop as musicians, we start wanting something a little bit better. And if you haven't got loads of money to lash at something, or alternatively, if you feel you just can't justify that full-on USA model that's, that's a couple of thousand pounds plus, um, and that probably relates over to dollars as well, actually, because I think in England we're probably paying a little bit more for our guitars than they are in the US. The mid-price range it's huge it's a swarm with a a mass of choices bewildering amounts of choices for example i was thinking of buying a telecaster and i thought i probably wouldn't gig a telly that often at this moment but i'd kind of like to have one because i like the sound of a telly for some recording and Mm. and for certain things and maybe i will use it for the odd gig and i thought maybe a mexican or seven six seven hundred pound mark i thought what do i want out of a telecaster well i want this and i want this and i want this and you can almost bet your bottom dollar that whatever you want, within reason, Fender has got it at virtually every price point. I wanted something with big frets, a more modern fingerboard radius, great pickups that I wouldn't have to change, and the original kind of 1952 style butterscotch telly sort of look about it, the Baja telly. There it is, £776. And a friend had one second hand for 400 quid, which I just missed whatever you want you know companies like Fender are very willing to serve it up to you mm. in a number of different ways want want a telly thin line with an F hole in it and a couple of humbuckers no problem Fender's your man <laughs> you know you, 
Want a strap with two with, with two humbuckers on it? No problem. Want a strap with the Floyd Rose? Yeah, we can do that. Yep. There's so many choices, but there are advantages to shopping in such a hotly contested area of the market, and that is that everyone is looking for their slice of the pie. Everyone's looking for their cut, and for that reason, everyone's got to try fairly hard to make sure that what they're delivering is good, and not just good, but it's good enough and stands up against everything else. I think in all honesty, if you want something like a telly or a strat in its various forms, you'll know what you want, and it's a fairly safe choice and you'll go and buy it. If you want one of the cheaper variants of a Les Paul or an SG, something Gibson-like, there'll be something along those lines, apart from maybe the sort of uh, 335, and you'll find something at the right money. Strat was looking at the PRS SE, Custom 24. Now, basically, this is a cheaper version of the core line PRS Custom 24. Mm. And there are differences. Shall we talk through some of the differences? Yeah, I mean, I remember also Adam Harkus did a really good review, who we've had a few articles published with. He had an SE. Uh, he liked it, but it didn't quite do the things he wanted, and in the end he took it back. One thing to mention is that the PRS SE Custom 24, based on the, the sort of flagship model from the USA batch of core models, it's changed a fair bit over the years. Going back a, a few years ago, it used to have a flat-fronted body with the maple veneer and mahogany back, mahogany neck, normal non-locking tuners, and there was a cheaper cast version of the tremolo system, and it had the treble and bass Korean-made pickups. Now, some of that still remains. The main differences are that it's not got the full-on carved top of the USA model. Um, the woods are probably not quite as high-grade as they would be, so there isn't as much wood sorting. Every company is the same. You know, If you buy a cheap Les Paul, it's made of whatever mahogany they've got in stock. Whereas if you go and buy a, you know, a sort of a custom shop Les Paul, somebody's probably sorted through the best stuff. Um, also, the drying process in some cases with some woods isn't isn't maybe as sort of thorough on some of the cheaper guitars. I know that when Sur, Boutique, a Californian brand, get wood in, they dry it, I believe, for another four or five weeks or so, even though the wood is technically dry. They put it in a kiln to dry it for another four or five weeks or more. Right, okay. So it's that attention to detail yeah. that you're not going to get on a cheaper level guitar. On the Coreline Custom 24 PRS, I believe the tremolo system is cut from a billet of metal and then attached to the brass block. So in other words, it's a solid block of metal that a CNC router cuts to the perfect shape. Yeah, okay. So that tends to be sort of stronger and, yeah. uh, and considered better quality and, and therefore you know, better transference of tone, etc., the Korean models and the S2, so the SE and the S2 models, uh, featuring a similar-looking or identical-looking trem system, is cast. So it's cast in a mould as opposed to cut from a billet. So that's one of the fundamental differences. The pickups used on the SE models, again, I think they're Korean cheaper versions of the more expensive pickups. They don't sound half bad, actually. I've tried pickups that sound a whole bunch worse and probably cost a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, but you, you're not going to get quite the research and development. They're going to be more of a generic pickup. 
made to PRS's spec, um, but a case of can you make this rather than we're specially winding these for a certain range of guitars. Yeah. As mentioned earlier, the carved top is uh, not as pronounced, and I believe it's a veneer rather than a proper solid chunk of maple. Correct me if I'm wrong. There is a coil tap on the newer ones, and the actual carve to the body, and when I say newer, it's from the last sort of few years, you know, and the carve to the body is a little bit more attractive than it used to be, so instead of being like a slab front, it's now got sort of curves to it. And they do play very, very well. thing to remember about pickups is if you're unhappy with pickups... You can you, change them, can't you? You can yeah. change them. And you can often, impr- often improve a guitar's performance by changing pots and switches and stuff if you feel that those are actually letting the guitar down. If yeah. you go to a decent sort of guitar repairer or luthier, you know, they'll often have a range of capacitors and things that they can wire in for you to try until you sort of hit you know, the golden mark that works for you. And things like that are pennies, really. But it's still taking your, your initial cost and saying it's going to be a little bit mm. more to get exactly what you want, I guess. There is that. I mean, one advantage to things like the SE range is because they are so popular and there are a lot of them on the market, it means a lot of them also come up used quite a bit. So you could save quite a lot by yeah. by maybe sort of searching the, the used ads for them or even, even the used section in the shop might well have a, an SE to your liking. They've been going quite a while. I don't know exactly what you'd pay now, but the original SE model in England came in we are going back probably a few years now but it came in at a shade under 400 quid whereas when the new model came out a few years ago it was over half as much again yeah what i would suggest why said what i would say to to strut if he's hopefully he's listening to our thoughts we don't have one with us to try unfortunately but i have played one before and i did like it i always think that the acid test for any guitar and any amp or any effect is you go out and you gig it. Because I gig a lot, and I keep kick the crap out of my gear. You know, it really gets a lot of heavy-duty use. Well, I, s- I saw you playing in a <laughs> pub in Port Slade not so long ago, and it was awesome. It was, it was great. It's all good fun. And <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it, it comes in for a lot of use and abuse. And, you know, live, you don't really have time for, for sort of tuning problems and issues like that. You know, you just have to get on with the show. It's got to do what it says on the tin. So, for me, that's the acid test. Although, I do believe that most guitars, apart from really, really awful ones, can usually be set up to improve the tuning and the, the way they play and the way they work, unless there's an inherent problem with the guitar itself. But I would suggest... As we mentioned before on this, when you were looking at a guitar, Gary, line up a few things to try. Yeah. You know, what's your remit? Now, when struck, when you get to read our article, or the article that we put together, you'll understand about the choosing guitar section, sort of what what it means sort of for you in this situation. And it's all about, you know, what what are you doing? What are you going to do with the guitar? Now, you may be a guy who sits at home and just plays and doesn't really go out there and play in a band, but you like to play sort of tabs and jam along with tracks and and just have the guitar to have it, and it doesn't really have a specific use. It's just nice to have for the collection, and that's absolutely cool. If you're one of these guys like me who's going and doing it for a living, my guitars have to fit into a certain niche, a certain pigeonhole. They've got to do certain things, 
and it's got to hit the ground running. And if there's a problem with the way that one of my guitars works, I need to fix it really quickly. So yeah. with me, they have to fit into a certain niche of what I want. So decide what you're going to use it for. Are you playing in a blues band? Are you playing in a function band, wedding band, party band? Are you playing in a rock band? Are you playing in a metal band? Something like the PRSSE will actually probably fit a number of those sort of quotas without any problem whatsoever. It might struggle a bit at the more extreme end of things if you're, you know, if you're doing like a full-on sort of degent metal or something like that. And it might not present you with you know, really great jazz tones if you're hoping to go out and do some jazz gigs. It'll do a good impersonation of a jazz guitar with the neck pickup and the tone rolled back a bit, but a jazz guitar it is not. It probably won't work quite so well for a country gig. It's not really that kind of guitar. It's more sort of rock and, rock and blues come all rounder. But decide, you know, ask yourself, what am I using this guitar for? What are other people using that do a similar kind of thing? Because yeah. also, all-rounder means lots of different things to different people. You know, I, I tend to use guitars that have quite a wide range of sounds if I'm playing weddings and things on my own because I need that broad range of sounds. And so I choose from a couple of guitars that I've got that work for me. But there again, I remember speaking to a guy who I knew was a local guitar teacher, and as far as he was concerned, you know, a Fender Strat, that's my versatile guitar. And yeah, it does have a fair bit of versatility, but it's not as much as, as others which have humbuckers as well as single coil sounds, and yeah. therefore a bit of an extended range. So everyone's idea of versatile is different. Some people say the Telecaster is the most versatile guitar. <laughs> you are slash, it's the Les Paul. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's got their man. But, you know, decide what you're using it for and also maybe think outside the box a little. Say an SE is coming in at, I don't know, it's $600 or something, probably six dollars $700. Look at what else is out there for around the same sort of money. Might well be trying some, worth trying something like an Ibanez as they're, they're a company that's still on the up. They're still sort of trying. I've got a lag acoustic and I quite like that company. Mm-hmm. They're a French company, so I don't know how expensive they'd be in America. But I know their uh, electric guitars are supposed to be very good. Not tried them, just something I've read. Well, <laughs> Key Marcello, who used to play for Europe back in the day, oh, when he took over from John Norham, and John Norham is now back again, mm. used to use lag guitars. Yeah. When they were more of an electric brand, they've sort of branched more into the acoustic world, but they do make electric guitars. They do make some good stuff, yeah. They do. I mean, you've also got companies like Vigier, but again, when you're getting into that sort of level, like the Vigier stuff, you're gonna be you're gonna be up, up to the sort of two grand mark if you're in England. So it's probably not gonna be that far away in America. So yeah. it possibly is sort of double or even triple the the price range that you're looking at. I mean, what we have said previously too is is it's worth kind of stretching your budget if something's really exceptional. Yeah. And also sometimes a used guitar can be a real way forward. There's several advantages to a used guitar for a start. All the depreciation or a fair chunk of it has already been had. Also, something that's already sort of seen a little bit of action, you're a little bit less precious about. Yeah. There's nothing more, nothing that hurts more than the first, <laughs> the first yeah. dink in a brand new lovely guitar. It's, it's a painful experience. But get out there, go to a music shop, a good music shop that you trust, yeah. Get the guy in there to help you out and line up a few guitars and try them one after another. 
the best advice on I had. Clean, I would imagine. So yeah. On 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 a clean sound would be quite good, wouldn't it? I think try yeah. all of the different sounds. Yeah. Some some guitars are very sweet on a clean sound, and it sort of falls apart with distortion, or they sound great on distortion and just sort of clunky and yeah and unpleasant okay. on you know try the, the kind of sounds that that you're going to be using but try them sort of like for like the best advice i ever had from a guy in a shop was the guy who suggested the winner stays on philosophy which is you get two guitars i give you one to play you put one on a music stand i'll come back 20 25 minutes later when you've had a good play on each and whatever one you like more that's that's the one that goes on the stand the other one goes back on the wall I'll give you another one to play. And we carry on until the one that's left in your hands is the one you buy. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it, it, it was genius. It was genius. Because I then went on to spend £2,250 <laughs> shop yes. before buying a couple of other guitars from them. So yes, yes, it is genius, certainly. I think what Adam Harker said, he had the, he had the Maple Soapbox SE and he mm. liked it. He said the pickups were really good. The P90 pickups. They're they're pretty versatile, but um, one of the a few of the main niggles, which was the reason why he took his back, it didn't really stay in tune very well. Right. The taper on the volume and tone tended to switch it off before you got to the bottom. Right. Weren't yeah. particularly good, and he didn't find the mahogany looked much like mahogany for him or sounded right. like it. He also has a Gibson Les Paul. At seven nine nine, and the soapbox was five hundred, mm-hmm. and he kind of ends up his article by saying that he didn't really think it was that great value for money in comparison with something that was a bit more expensive, but mm. you know held its own much better. So that that was his his point. Absolutely. I mean, any of those, you know, it's hard to tell with those niggles whether they are niggles, <laughs> yeah, which are carried on through the out the entire range because you know the pedometers are cheap yeah um or whether it's it's just a one-off friday afternoon example i mean this is something else is if you're not if you're not liking what you're hearing it's worth trying a few from the range yeah now when i went out to get the real deal um a, a prs custom 24 i cannot tell you how many i tried I did it so differently, didn't I? <laughs> oh, I'll search on the internet. Oh, how... I love that one. And it's come out all right, hasn't it? I'm just a lucky swine. Oh, you, usually with better stuff, you know, you have a habit of, of kind of like landing on your feet at least a little bit more. Yeah. Because it's better to begin with. Yeah. So hopefully it's left the, the factory with fewer inadequacies and something cheaper and nastier. Yeah, but I mean, when I went out and, and tried stuff, I I tried a couple of PRS DGTs, bit of an experience. Basically, very Les Paul esque sounding, the Dave Grissom model, kind of much bigger, much more Gibsony, mm. with a bigger neck, set up with eleven, set up with a higher action on the bass side. You know, it, it's a man's guitar. Yeah, and tonally it shows. It's harder work, but it does sound really, really good. I tried a number of different custom 24s. I tried some 30th anniversary ones, some ordinary ones, and I ended up leaving the shop with a PRS Experience one. And even when the shop had got in one which looked like, you know, the perfect combination of things that I would look for in a guitar, when I tried 
this one that I bought up against it tonally, it just seemed to kind of knock it into a cocked hat. Mm. And that's why I bought it. I bought mine because it sounded great and it and it felt good and it, and, it, and it was a nice lightweight. And this is this is the thing, you know. It's everybody is different. Some people like a guitar that sounds dark. Some people like a guitar that's super lively and resonant. Some people like single calls. Some people like humbuckers. And we've all got a different remit of what we what we want to do with it. But lining up the guitars and trying them one after another is always without a shadow of a doubt the most sensible way or the most nothing is fail safe but but the most fail safe way of getting the result that you that you came for cool because you yeah. then can hear one after the other after another and also this really sweet story i'm going to tell you i like stories do you like stories i sound uncomfortable <laughs> i don't like them yes <laughs> bring on the stories jack annoying <laughs> you know i said at the beginning like the heart wants what the heart wants We've all got things, be it, I don't know, you walk by a house and you've walked by it every single day since you were five and you think it's just the most amazing house with the most beautiful garden and you think if ever that came up for sale and I had the money, I'd buy it. It looks wonderful. Don't know how many rooms it's got. Might be pokey as a telephone box inside, but there's something about it. Yeah. Or, you you know, there's a particular car. All the reviews tell you this car is crap, but you just love the way it looks and you would love to own one. Yeah, you know, we all have these sort of things, don't we? <laughs> In fact, Mark Knopfler, guitarist from Dire Straits, he's afforded himself some lovely guitars, some original late fifties Les Pauls and things. This isn't the story, by the way. <laughs> and apparently, there's a Fender amp, I think, from the fifties or sixties. It might be the fifties that was in white. Yeah. And so there's very few of them made because it was in white Tolex. Might be a Fender Twin in white Tolex or something like that, or a Vibra King, or I can't remember which one it is. But he said, it's quite interesting, he said, because I've made enough money in my career, I could actually go and buy whatever piece of kit I want to buy. Yeah, there's nothing I can't afford in the nicest possible way. He said, that's the one amp I won't buy, because <laughs> it keeps me wanting it. Nice. He said, I could go and buy one, I could go and do my research, I could purchase one, but it's the one thing I won't buy. It's that Wayne's World moment, isn't it? <laughs> that guitar in the mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the story, the sweet story I've got to tell you, I had relatives down in, in Bournemouth, and I went into a music shop down there called Absolute Music. Usually while I'm down there, I always go to Pool, which is near Bournemouth, and I go to Absolute Music. Go in there, see what they've got, try a few things out. Anyway, I got chatting with the guys down there one time, and they said that this chap came in looking for a 335, and he had it in his mind that he wanted a cherry red 335. Got to be a cherry red one. I mean, if ever there is a colour combination for a 335, as far as I'm concerned, it's a 59 reissue, cherry red dot 335. Mm. That's your benchmark. Mm. End of story. And this guy came in wanting a cherry a cherry red 335. They picked it off the wall, because they had one, and he tried it, and he was like, mm. so almost let down by it. And they said, you know, we've got one in black, and it's a whole bunch better. There's just something about this 335 in black that's just, it's just, it's just amazing. It's just <laughs> got it. And he's like, oh, I really wanted red. I really wanted a red one. Oh, I can't. It's black. I really want one. And they said, look, just, just try it. Just try it. If you don't want it, it's fine. It's cool. You can walk away. But you've got to try this black one because it's so much better than the red one. Trust me. So they get the black one off the wall, plugs it in. 
tries it out. Oh, crap it is, isn't it? It is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Where do so, I sign? Exactly. He had to walk away with one Brilliant. in the wrong colour. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Walked but away that, a happy man, though, I'm sure. That's right. Yeah. But that's the thing is sometimes be prepared to have your preconceived ideas questioned when you try gear. It's amazing sometimes what people in music shops play gear all the time. I've worked in music shops. I used to walk out of the music shop in the evening and think, oh, no, I want to hear another note. Yeah. I've heard every piece of gear under the sun all day long played in the worst possible way. And some people in music shops, they know, they see a lot of gear pass through their their books and it, it it's good sometimes to tap their brains for knowledge because they will know what's good and what's what's not good they know what they've got in the shop don't they so may as well uh, use them yeah. yeah i mean i went i went into a gack i think everyone knows gack in brighton time yeah. keyboard center and i was looking for a les paul so i was pining for a good les paul and there was a Tom Murphy aged one. I don't know if you know who Tom Murphy is, but he was the guy who basically invented relicking in the Gibson factory. Right. And he did it because he had to repair, a, I think, a Firebird. And it was an old Firebird. And he said, I can't just like repaint with new paint. And it's done. He said, I've got to blend it in. So he kind of blended everything in, dinks and all, as if it was worn. So it all looked right. And that's where the whole idea of relicking with the hmm. Gibson Custom Shop came from. So he's like the granddaddy of, of relicking. And they had one, if you get a Tom Murphy aged guitar, they're worth more, quite a bit more. This was nearly 6,000 quid. Yep. Yep, and I went in and I, was, and I was like, oh, that's nice, and I tried it out. And the guy the guy who I'd been dealing with, he said, that is the best Les Paul in the shop. So he's like, never mind the rest of them always, that is the best one in the shop. And my God, it was good. I just couldn't sump up the dough nice that's very very salty as you uh, as salty as you like very very so talking of great tones so I hope I hope that's given Strut at least some food for thought read through our article when it comes out because hopefully it will help you and don't don't think we sit here always making the best choices because we don't we're human too (laughs) we we make mistakes you know you know we've we've all made mistakes with gear and then lived to regret it I did just a couple of years ago and ended up having to trade something in it is a learning curve and you have to kind of almost I work at getting going on until I find the right kind of Les Paul the right kind of strap the right kind of all-rounder I'm you know always looking for sort of the, the best mm. variant that I can possibly find mm. of each each sort of item yeah that's that's really helpful stuff Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. (laughs) 